The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Greetings, friends. I'm Jim Blake, CEO of Unity World Headquarters. From all of us at Unity Village, we wish you a joyous and blessed holiday season. May this time of year for you be filled with magic, miracles, and unending peace. Namaste. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Good morning. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Christ Universal Temple is led by the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells as the Senior Minister, and our founder is the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman, who, if you don't know, was a powerful and legendary figure in the New Thought Movement in the the last half of the 20th century and the very earliest part of the 21st century. I'm in the midst of a series titled Prosperity's Ten Commandments, based upon the book of the same title by Georgiana Tree West. It's considered a unity classic, and I would strongly suggest that you get the book. I mean, it's 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 nice. It's real nice. It's real nice. And again, as I've been teaching this series, I haven't been teaching it page by page, line by line, because to to do it that way literally will require a year to teach one book. Because most of the books that I teach, I'm not going to say most, all of the books that I teach on this show have a lot of substance. Because I believe in substance. I don't believe in fluff. And I've never believed in teaching people fluff. I don't believe in giving anybody anything that won't help them in their everyday life. Therefore, I want to make sure that you all have the best resources so you can get the best results. All right. So. Today we're doing the tenth commandment. I'm saying the ninth commandment, and the ninth commandment is, "You shall not bear false witness against the source of your wealth." You shall not bear false witness uh, against the source of your wealth. Now, it says that it's based upon Exodus chapter twenty, verse sixteen: "You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor." All right. So first of all, she goes into false witness and what does it mean to to lie and things of that nature, which I think is some really good information. So even though it's not direct prosperity lessons, I think that what she's saying in this first page or two is really important. So I'm going to walk it down a little bit. 
She wrote, the ninth commandment has to do with the essential nature of truthfulness. To bear false witness is to be untruthful, and any intent to deceive is a violation of this commandment. One who conscientiously observes it in the letter may still be violating the spirit of it. So it goes on to say, the person who takes pride in never telling a deliberate lie, but who cleverly manages to convey false impressions is not only untruthful, but dishonest. So a person might not necessarily say a direct lie, but they're conveying a false impression. Therefore, it's dishonest. That's the first point. Second point, she says, is taking pride in a virtue that we do not possess. We are dishonest with ourselves. This is when we fool ourselves by believing that we're expressing some virtue that we really don't. Number three, exaggeration. That's a big deal because exaggeration can be so subtle. You know, I can remember, you know, I used to work in the grocery business. And, you know, if we get a call at the front, at the, uh, not the front desk, at the service desk, you know, uh, you know, people have been calling, you know, a, a whole bunch of people have been calling, asking about whatever. I'm like, OK, well, how many people is a whole lot of people? You know, we've got uh, uh, maybe three calls. Three calls is not a whole lot of people. Three calls is three people. But people tend to exaggerate. They said, who are they? You know, it's a whole lot of this or a whole lot of that. What's a whole lot? You know. Human beings exaggerate to give emphasis to things, you know, and in the seven keys to understanding the Bible, which are taught by Rocco Erico. And if you want to hear those seven keys, you can go back and listen to the interview I did with him. in I believe it was October of 2012, I believe anyway, on truth transforms. But he says one of the points of understanding the Bible one of his seven keys is what he calls amplification. He says amplification instead of exaggeration because he doesn't want people to be upset or frustrated. But amplification is how biblical writers would amplify a story to make it seem like it was more than what it was. Instead of Samson killing a lot of people with the jawbone of a donkey, he kills a thousand people. And, you know, the people sing, you know, as they as they would sing, Saul kills thousands, David kills tens of thousands, meaning they're enemies. Or, you know, we really don't know how many people, you know, Jesus fed, but, you know, 5,000 people plus men and women. And if I looked at a crowd, I couldn't tell the difference if I was looking at a crowd outside, the difference between 4,000 and 6,000. I couldn't tell. And we're talking about illiterate people who, in many ways, couldn't count where these stories passed down orally. I'm using this as an example because human beings, even in biblical days, had and have a tendency to exaggerate. And exaggeration is a bearing false witness. It says insinuation. That's another form of bearing false witness, insinuating things that are not true. Uh detraction from all are excuse me detraction are all forms of conveying false impressions then she she goes right in even listening to gossip is bearing false witness now and i think that this is one of the challenges because some people say well, you know i don't like the gossip but they love to hear it and i think it's one of the reasons why we have challenges with some of the things that are on 
our television today because people love gossip and train wrecks. So if they can watch reality shows or we have the, the different websites and social media sites that that market themselves as gossip websites, like literally gossip websites, not necessarily based on truth. And that doesn't mean that they don't bump into truth sometimes, but many times it's to promote the belief that if it's stated on the internet, it's true. Matter of fact, I read recently an article where people were talking about the problem that journalism has now because the internet has opened up information, but at the same time, it has also lessened the accountability of the information. If something had to be printed in a newspaper, even if, you know, at least had to go through the editor, it had to go through some process, you had actual journalists doing it. Now a person can start a news website and promote themselves as a journalist without any training, without any development, without any accountability, and could put all type of things out there that could even be potentially harmful for other people. You know, so anyway, moving on. Then it says, even listening to gossip is bearing false witness because it means being receptive to false things and possibly perpetuating them. Now, I will say this. I think there's a difference between getting information and gossip. And the reason why I make this distinction is because if you're in a role of management or supervision or owner of something and people are responsible for you, for you to see that for you to you to get results, do you need the information that you need to get and now gossiping is when you start getting into stuff that has nothing to do with the results of the corporation, for instance. If it's a situation, a circumstance that a, a person is doing something that could reflect poorly on your organization or on your church, then I think that it is good and responsible to get that information. A reason why I'm saying that is sometimes a, we'll look at something and because we practice our spiritual principles we will at times like an ostrich put our heads in the sand. Well, I don't want to hear any of that. That has nothing to do with truth. And I get that to a certain extent. And I also get that when you're responsible for people, you need to have the proper information. It's not gossip when you find out somebody might be harassing your employees. It's not gossip when you find out that you know, your child might be doing some things that they don't need to be doing. And, and the only way you find out is through somebody else, maybe giving you a nugget of truth, which allowed you to be able to go address it properly. I think that is, and again, I'm about to get into the prosperity stuff about this in a minute, but I think that it's important for us to distinguish the difference between gossip because my ego loves train wrecks and other people's information and to be in other people's mess instead of taking responsibility for my own things versus being responsible to others for results or being mindful about what other people are doing that can affect you. You know, I, you know, I always remember this, you know, unfortunate joke that Eddie Murphy, you know, used to say with uh, men who had ladies who didn't want to believe when 
they found out that the man was cheating on them, you know, committing adultery or whatever. And he says, you know, a man can get caught red handed with the lady and say to his woman, do you believe me or your lying eyes? And there's some people who discount what they see because they just don't want to see what they don't want to see. And I just want to make sure that we distinguish it because I know personally people who have said to me, yeah, I knew XYZ was doing something behind my sisters or my friends or my whatever's back, but I didn't want to get into that because that wasn't anything, any of my business. And I'm like looking at them like, okay, so you know somebody is, yeah, cheating on your sister and you didn't say anything. It's not, it's not my business. I'm like, okay, well, I think that's the difference between gossip and responsibility, but that's just me. What, it, what what do you think about it? And I think that that's a really good question you have to ask. Also, I'm very aware that some people don't want to know the truth because to know the truth means that they have to, and I'm not using truth as God truth. I'm talking about truth as facts in this context because some people don't want to deal with the choices that accepting the truth will bring to them. In other words, if I if I accept that this is factual, what am I going to do about it? All right, back to the book. Then it says, any acceptance and assertion of evil is falsifying. In other words, when you start looking at this from a a larger metaphysical standpoint, are you facing the facts with truth? Are you allowing the facts to dictate the conversation? Facts change. Facts change. And the reason why facts change is because we have the ability to do what we need to do. It looks like I have a caller named Sherry. Sherry, uh, let me see here. Um, can we put her in? Oh, I think I need to put her in. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> Give me one moment here. Well, I said she's on. Oh, okay, she's on. Okay. Hi, Sherry. Hey there. How's it going? It's my buddy. This is uh, Reverend Sherry James. How you doing? Good, good, good. I just wanted to weigh in on this gossip thing. Okay. Um, I wanted, I wanted to, uh, to, to, to offer or maybe throw into the discussion that perhaps maybe what is, should be managed is intention with information. Yes. That I think that is a very good way of stating it. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because What's your intention? With, with intention. Yeah, what's my intention? What is it that I am seeking to do? And is there ill intent or harm? So you're always having to search your own heart for what it is that you're doing with the information because sometimes you get the information as a manager and then, you know, it, you, you, you finish doing what you need to do to handle the situation, but then you're still talking to, say, a peer on the same level about the information or about what you so-called handle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that one of the things that people have to admit is when we're functioning at normal or average levels of human consciousness, people Uh tend to be sloppy if they don't have the integrity in place to make sure that they're doing things decently and in order. You know, in our field of work, for instance, I think one of the greatest violations that can happen is a person breaking ministerial confidentiality if a person comes to you and or, yeah. or let me say a person comes to me and they start talking about what's going on with their family life with their you know their marriage and whatever 
and then it has nothing to do with you and it has nothing to, and it doesn't affect you and I'm over there telling you what they said about their husband right that's an exceptional violation and I think right. that we have to be mindful but at the same time at a professional level those same type of breakdowns can happen and I think people do need to search their hearts and really follow mm -hmm. the golden rule because I do know mm -hmm. that people who tend to gossip don't like people telling their business. Right. That's right. what's hilarious about it. What I'm but that's why the golden rule matters. Do unto others right. as others would do unto you. It doesn't make right. sense to uh, to spread information for no reason. Many times false and incomplete, by the way. <laughs> right. 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 And you don't right. want someone doing the same thing to you it's it's quite amazing but you know again people tend to be sloppy when functioning from average levels of consciousness and you know as 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 we learned growing up a lot of people can dish it but not a lot of people can right. take it right 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 so something you you said earlier that i that i hadn't thought about because um you know i i certainly am, am one not to to bring up uh, anything that's going on in politics right now. It's like, let's just, I, I can't even have that conversation. And I'm unwilling to have that conversation because I don't want to get into the, the fear mongering that I perceive happening. But I do realize yeah. that I will read the headlines. Right. I might not read the whole article, but I'm picking up the headlines. And, that, and we think of gossiping as, simply an active activity but it's also a passive activity in the listening right and so you cannot count yourself to not be a gossiper if you are sitting there taking in the information it's, it, you somebody has to be a repository and so, and so you're deciding to be the repository absolutely absolutely now i do think that there is a way and i'm sure you know you've heard me say this before to observe without being absorbed but I think that takes spiritual maturity and you got to know right. your ledge. And what I mean by that is when you need to take a step off of something right. because it's starting to shift your consciousness. For instance, you know, I know a lot of people who I who were I thought and they probably thought were exceptionally spiritually grounded until something happened that consumed them. Right. And they didn't they didn't know their ledge like you have to know when. You need to pull right. away. You must know when it's time for you to detach from the drama and trauma. I said uh, on Sunday at, during my sermon here, uh, Sherry, that, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you have to know when it's time. You have to know that it's not you don't need to be a part of other people's drama and trauma. And I said, I'm not saying don't be a good friend where you don't listen or a good family member, because sometimes people need the opportunity to get it up and get it out. But then I said, right. Uh, some people want you to be the star in their drama when you're only supposed to be an extra. Right, 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 right. That, that's the issue. Many mm -hmm. times, the reason why we're not functioning at the level of prosperity that we need to is because we're putting so much mental and emotional energy towards things that have nothing to do with us producing our good. Right. And, you know, Jack Canfield talks about this from the standpoint of 
Uh, I can't remember the exact term he used, but right now it's, it's sort of like mental units. Like, okay, it's only so much mental energy that you're going to normally use in a given day, even if you're exceptional, before you start to cycle down, sort of like an athlete. Right. You know, by the time you get yeah. to the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. you, you, you're, hitting, you're hitting the reserves of years of practice and, and exercise and et cetera, because that's money time. You right. know, that's, you know, that's, that's Serena Williams digging down deep in, and and right. playing that last five five holes or whatever. Uh, right. I forgot that holes. What do they say in tennis? That's golf. <laughs> volley. <laughs> volley. Yeah, five volleys. So volleys. So but the the. Can I, can I jump in here because I think you said something that that's key that I think we miss and it, it came out in a, a sermon I was reading from Mervindella on on emotional energy yeah. and that that in order to be successful, in order to get your gift out of you into expression, it's going to take emotional energy. It was seen most easily in sports. So when you yeah. see, you know, professional athletes, if you catch them on the field, there's this intensity, this drive, almost a ferocity that uh-huh. is, it, it's incredible to watch. And, right. and it, you know, it, and it's one of the things that they have to learn to manage, you know, because you'll see, you know, football players and basketball players and tennis players with anger management issues because you, that you use that mo- emotional energy to demonstrate your gift. Right. And what I find with people who are settling for ordinary living is that they're taking the emotional energy that should be used behind their gift, whatever that is, and they're putting it inside of gossip. They're putting mm-hmm. it inside of uh, getting involved in other people's business that ain't got nothing to do with them. And mm-hmm. you're you you're going to use the emotional energy because that's how we're constructed as spiritual beings. That's one right. of the gifts that we've been given. What we need is a spiritual maturity to only use it in service to what God gave us to do. Yeah, and I think that, you know, first of all, Reverend Della Reese was, on point with that statement. And I think one of the things that we uh, have to be mindful of, especially when it comes to using mental energy is if, if I'm pulling on my emotional reserves to push something through, that's my fuel. And I can use my fuel to take me where I want to go. Or I can use my fuel to be on somebody else's agenda. You know, remember like back in, Things were a little bit different, obviously, when we were growing up. And, you know, if you had that one friend with a car, everybody wanted that person to take them everywhere. Right. And, you know, and we were responding, at least I was with my friends, were, you know, the, the one guy who had a car here, let me give you some gas money. But it was other people right. in the neighborhood that wanted him to drive them places, but wanted to use his right. fuel. So when right. it came time for him to want to go where he wanted to go, he didn't have money to go. Because he was yeah. so busy doing it for everyone else. We yeah. many times use the energy and our time and whatever to to be in other people's stuff and to fix everybody yeah. else's stuff. And then we have no time yeah. for our own good. We're wiped out because we're starring in somebody else's life. Yet you always know when you've given wrongly because you feel depleted. Yeah. Right. Your, right. Your so, giving does right. not deplete you. You're giving energy. If you think about how you feel after a sermon or how you feel after yeah. a class, 
it's like you're almost more alive than you were when you started. But right. when you are not giving from the overflow and you're giving from the principle or giving from what belongs to you, you end and it's like, I need to go take a nap. You know, yeah. you yeah. warn yourself yeah. out because you, you've given in where you shouldn't have been giving. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I think that that's, I, I love it because, you know, first of all, thanks for calling in because I didn't know you were going to call in. And it's always a pleasure to hear your voice, as you know, hey. my sister. And, Right. <laughs> and I and I think that this is one of the, the reasons why, you know, in the Universal Foundation for Better Living, we teach the dream series. And the dream series yeah. is one of the things that um, we utilize to help people discover how to express the gift in the dream that God has placed in them. And the first first step is desire. And right. You know, and it's almost as if desire should be the first four or five steps because I'm almost willing to say that maybe desire should be changed to um, desire and emotional intensity. Like to the mm-hmm. to the point to where it's I don't I'm going to use this word positively. My good mm-hmm. is my obsession. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You you almost have to be obsessed with it to get it out into expression. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 there. When you get to the point to 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 where you have to say to yourself, "I don't care what goes down, this is happening." And, right. And 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 then you have to trust the gifts. That don't mean you don't get good counsel. But like I you know I jokingly um, work with a person who. He taught Kanye West the sound how to work with the soundboards, and he said he would tell Kanye, "No, don't do it that way. That's not how you do this." And some of the things mm-hmm. that he was doing, like speeding up the songs and making them, you know, sound he was like making the song sound like chipmunks and things of that nature, ended up becoming Kanye's signature. Right. Right. So, right. so it's it's just funny how somebody else can't see the talent and the gifts, and they might be the person who actually trains you. Uh, I'm right. coming up to like one minute to the break, um, so I'm 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 going to have to let you go. I can uh, have you call back, and I do have a call after you, Sherry. So if you want to continue this yes. conversation, that's okay. Absolutely, no, no, no. I'll call back in, but I'll keep listening. Okay, thanks. All right. All right. Cool. Bye. Okay. So um, I do know we have another caller. Um, we we have to take our break in about 45 seconds. So when you come back, I believe it's PJ. Uh, please hold on, PJ. We're going to bring you in and make sure that we do what we have to do. While I am waiting to for these next 30 seconds, let me remind you that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, my request is that you go to Unity Online radio.org or unity.fm it's a shortcut click on the donate button and help support this online ministry so we can continue to spread the message of new thought around the world it makes a difference it makes an impact because people contact me from different continents saying that they don't have access to this type of information and the only reason why they can get it is because of unity online radio so let's continue to be a stand for the transformation of human consciousness around the world It's our responsibility. We can do it.
Greetings, friends. I'm Jim Blake, CEO of Unity World Headquarters. From all of us at Unity Village, we wish you a joyous and blessed holiday season. May this time of year for you be filled with magic, miracles, and unending peace. Namaste. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder, speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts, on living an abundant life. Examine your life, whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had. Realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you have brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we got to get into our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Indian saint and mystic Kabir is quoted as saying, One drop of divine love can turn you to gold. Immerse yourself in the work of Kabir with acclaimed poet, author, and spiritual teacher Andrew Harvey in his book, Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. Andrew shares the powerful and timeless words of Kabir in a way that is accessible to all with beautiful photography by Brett Hurd. This is a book you will turn to again and again. Available now at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Discover what your dreams are trying to tell you. Join dream expert, best-selling author, and hypnotherapist Kelly Sullivan Walden for Ask Dr. Dream every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Central. Kelly will awaken you to the wisdom of your dreaming mind with expert interpretation as well as introduce you to fascinating guests. Each week, you'll get information you can use to help make decisions and gain greater self-awareness. Join the show live or listen later on demand here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I have a caller on the line. PJ, are you there? Yes, indeed, I am. Thank you so much. Hi, PJ. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Houston. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Reverend Sherry's from Houston. 
she doesn't she's not there now, but she's from Houston. So that's wonderful. Beautiful, beautiful. You all have a um you know, some decent sports teams down there too. Um, you know, to say the least, I follow sports, so you know, that's kind of my thing. All right. <laughs> so what's your question, PJ? Well, just to follow that up right quick, the Texans need a coach. Okay. <laughs> a lot of talent, okay. No Understood. I, I like that quarterback you all have down there, though. He's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, he's he not as good. So yeah. um, I'm just calling because I really appreciate the show. I also appreciate Reverend Sherry's comments and the way you dialogued. And um, a couple of things. First thing is that when we bear false witness, it's not always outward we can sometimes look inward, even though we may not see ourselves as our neighbor, we really are our own neighbor. So that's one thing. And what I'm getting at is some of these Twitter comments that have come back to really do a serious disservice to the person who said them, even years before I was just heartbroken when somebody dug up Kyler Murray's Twitter comments when he was a child. But that's also bearing false witness. We can also look inward as well as outward. And I loved how you and Reverend Sherry dialogued, and it brought me to another paragraph in the, in the ninth law. The one that begins, mind is creative of nature and thought is its action, just Speaking personally, I realize I have spent more time paying attention to Trump and all this other stuff going on and so little attention to my personal finances that I am bearing false witness. So I have to check myself. I really love this book. I loved your work on Neville. I've read Johnny's books and watched what little of YouTube I could see of her and you know I'm that probably I'm a lot like you I do a lot of work on myself and uh, when I heard you mention in one of the other podcasts about silver mind control I'm like what oh, calling my name so uh, <laughs> I'm really enjoying this um this work well, well, I'm, well, first of all, let me say, keep up the work, good work. And, you know, I agree that we can sometimes get distracted. It doesn't mean that we, we're we not responsible citizens that are holding the people in office, for instance, accountable, because I believe that needs to be done. However, people can become obsessed with the downfall of someone else and neglect their own personal responsibility. So what I always tell people is, to your own self be true. Make sure that you have your stuff in order. Make sure that you are taking care of you because if you don't, while you're paying attention to somebody else's life, nobody's paying attention to yours. And that's where the problem comes into play. And I think one of the things that New Thought does well is it tells people, if we want the block clean, I'll go outside and clean out in front of my house. That's the first step. But I think New Thought stays there. And the next step that New Thought needs to do is to say, now that I've finished cleaning up my house, now I can help my neighbors. 
I think that's the evolved stage of the process. And I think it's important that we don't neglect that. I still have to clean up in front of my house first. Because if I go over and get in my neighbor's yard before I take care of mine, my neighbor's yard is, is fantastic. But my neighbor might not want to come over and clean up my yard. And now I'm upset because I help my neighbor and my yard still looks messy. Instead of saying, well, let me take care of my responsibility. And then I can properly help other people do what they need to do. And I can't take care of my responsibility if I'm bearing false witness against myself. Now, what I will say, PJ, is I believe primarily anytime we're bearing false witness against another person, we're bearing false witness against ourselves. Because the thought I think about you has to function in my consciousness. And that's part of the process that sometimes we don't realize that if that thought is mental impulse or vibration, what I am thinking, I'm actually radiating. So when I think about you in a certain kind of way, I'm actually also holding that in my own consciousness and pressing that within my own belief system. I'm accepting that with my own feeling nature. And when that happens, I am still, telling universal law to create more of that experience for instance you know reverend coleman used to say to us that we should never give to another person's lack you always give to their abundance now what does that mean let's say a factual situation is somebody factually needs money or financial resources to take care of something but if you have in your mind that this person is experiencing lack and and this person is poor or this person is despondent or whatever, that belief is in your consciousness. And she said, you can't afford that type of thought. So what you have to look at it, in her opinion, was that you're God's steward and then you're sharing God's abundance with another one of God's children. So you're giving to their prosperity because they're one with God and one with God's abundance, just like you. And you just happen to be in possession of that which is needed for them to take care of what they need to take care of. Now, it's a subtle thought. But what it does is it makes sure that we don't stay in a consciousness of lack because we're seeing somebody as incapable of handling their business. So in other words, we're not beholding the Christ or beholding the God within another individual. We're seeing them based upon their human circumstances and their human identity instead of beholding the spiritual nature that they are. Does that make sense? It does. You want to see their wholeness, not Right now, 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 what that does not mean is by the way, because I think this is important for spiritual teachers to tell people, that does not mean that that's a free get-out-of-jail car for bad behavior. It does not mean reconciliation. It does not mean that a person has to have anyone in their experience that is not, first of all, by choice, or two, because they feel as though they have to do it to be spiritual or a good Christian or a good new thought or good whatever. That's unnecessary. The only thing that we're saying is when you give, recognize that you're giving 
as God's abundance to another individual so they can express God's abundance. That's all. And don't put anything else on top of it to make it something that is not. Because sometimes I think that spiritual practitioners go the extra mile of excusing behavior that is inexcusable because they want to see the best in people when, as Maya Angelou used to say, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time, that's human facts. facts. You can see a person's human facts and adjust accordingly while you behold the Christ in them. That takes spiritual maturity, but it can be done. I think it's smart to do that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I do. I agree. It's intelligent to do that. So um, just to piggyback on what Reverend Sherry said, she said emotion makes it happen, and we have to take that emotion to fuel what we need to do. Jesus said the things which I do, not as he didn't say, you know, dream up and all of that. It does have its place. After we have those dreams, we have to put that energy in motion, that emotion in it for action. And you you mentioned that too, that stepped on my toes. So, you know, this morning I just... um, I, I I did my budget. I had no relationship with my money. It was like, okay, if I were dating my money, my money would have nothing to do with me because I haven't called lately and, you know, I haven't romanced it. I haven't had a relationship with it. So I was very, very grateful to, to get a hold on that. And you know what it really did when I saw the truth, things that I felt like, I may not have had money for, I did. I just didn't realize I did. So it Mm. took me out of a place, a a consciousness of not enough to just take care of your business, sister. Yeah, bottom line, just take care of your business. And when you do that, life has a way of working out. So, So thank you for calling, PJ. Much appreciated. Call again. I love having the conversation with you. And I appreciate the support. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye. God bless. So uh, I'm going to jump into page 112. It was a couple of other things. Oh, yeah. Page 111. Still on the first page. But I'm going to jump over because I want to make sure that I do cover a few things when it comes to the prosperity thoughts. Again, you shall not bear false witness against the source of your wealth. All right. She uh, wrote on page 113. Just as our thoughts affect our bodies for good or ill, even so, their far reaching influence determines the nature of the conditions that surround us. In other words, it's not just our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs don't just affect our bodies. Our bodies are not limited to what we call our physical bodies. I love the term that I can't remember the lady's name now. She wrote the book, Unity Book, Laws of Love. She uses the term environmental body. And the environmental body means everything that has anything to do with your life, role, and affairs. In other words, your relationships are your body. Your money is your body. Your job or business, 
body. Friendships, body. Uh, intimate relationship, body. It doesn't make a difference. Body. School is body. Everything is body. Because body is the vehicle through which spirit soul expresses. So since all causation is mental, when something is expressing in my life, that's body. That's effect. Mind is cause. And I think that gives us an opportunity to look at life a little bit differently. So the author goes on to say on page 113, as an operation of these laws of mind, we find that our bodies and circumstances are the inevitable manifestation of our thought action. We may think of them as our solidified thought, as thought condensed into form. Uh, let that sit for a minute. My life is my thought condensed into form. Condensed. You know, one of the things that we talk about or teach in the Universal Foundation for Better Living is a very old school unity principle. And it's, it's basically the gist of it is this. The primary cause of suffering is our forgetfulness of our divine nature as spiritual beings with dominion over our thoughts and feelings. I'm going to say it again. The primary cause of suffering is our forgetfulness of our divine nature as spiritual beings with dominion over our thoughts and feelings. So if I forget who I am and the power that I have that's connected to who I am, then I can live a life of false witness to who I am. If I am an individualized expression of God, that's what image and likeness means, then anytime I accept the beliefs of what people say I can and can't have or can and can't do, I am bearing false witness against myself. When I allow myself to get resigned emotionally, that something won't change or it doesn't matter or it'll never get better. What difference does it make? I am bearing false witness against the source of my prosperity. I am bearing false witness against myself. How often during the day do you bear false witness against yourself? I know I do it multiple times. And as I've said before on this podcast, for me, and I can only speak for me, and if what I shared with you helps you, I hope you can use it. I know that my life works as well as I can recalibrate back to truth. A situation happens, and if I allow myself to get out of alignment by forgetting who I am, my ability to recalibrate allows me to go forward. But if I don't recalibrate, then I stay out of alignment and out of my power. Does that make sense? I hope it does. How quickly do you recalibrate? And how often do you bear false witness against God in you as health, God in you as peace, God in you as love, God in you, God in you, God in you? It makes a difference. I believe 
we might have another caller coming on. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Okay. Sherry, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. You know, you didn't hit a nerve. All right. Okay. What nerve did yeah. I hit? Well, so, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this kind of on a, on a microscopic day-by-day, day, right, that our habits bear witness to who we say we are. Mm-hmm. And that it, that changing the witness that I'm bearing about myself is about changing how I show up every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, 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 because you have we have habits. So showing up late, showing up late is a habit. Right. And there, there's a set of things that you do that keep that habit in place, that make that habit happen. Right. And, and in order to change showing up late, it's not just having a goal to not show up late. It's designing a system to produce a different result. I already got right. the system that produces late. Now I need the system that produces early or at right. least on time. Right. And, and so that the habits that I have that are causing me to show up late, that are producing that effect, are, are habits that are bearing false witness to who I really am. Because I yes. don't want my good to be late. I don't want nothing God give me to be late. I want all my money right now, God. Because right. the universe. I, so then I then have to choose habits that are true to the witness that I want to bear about myself. Absolutely, absolutely. So this goes into, and we got about eight minutes left for, for the call, I think, about eight minutes. Um a couple of things. One, it's funny that you say that because I often say to people who don't like to pay their bills on time, yeah, that you like to be paid on time. Now you've used the phone, you've used the cable, you've used the electricity, you've used the the internet, you've used whatever. Now you don't want to pay the people on time, right. no. But then you get mad when your money is out of order. But you right. reap what you sow. Again, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, so shall he reap. I think that's yeah. one level of it. The second level of it is what are habits built on? Beliefs. Yeah. What is what I is what is going on? What is occurring in my in my life, in my mind, how I see life is my occurrence. How is this occurring to me? Because my actions yeah. always have to be consistent with how I'm perceiving or how this is occurring to me. So if I have habits that are producing false witness, then my thoughts and my feelings that make up those habits are also bearing false witness. Right, right. Because my habits can never be inconsistent with how I see myself. Correct, correct. They so will when never you, be inconsistent. Right, so like for instance, when you, if you, you know how it is when people come to us for counseling. They can always right. justify their actions, even when right. they know they're wrong. Right. 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 That's the, that's the real challenge. So right. I think the early New Thought people had it right, Sherry, when they said change mm-hmm. your thinking, change your life. And the statement yes. is so simplistic that people miss it because they don't realize the beauty and the power and the simplicity of the statement. Yeah. Because changing the way you think at a fundamental level isn't easy. Right. It is the hardest work you will ever do 
to yeah. change preconditioning. We were conditioned yeah. by family. We've been conditioned by culture. We've been conditioned by nation. We've been conditioned by gender. We've been conditioned by yeah. religion. We've been conditioned by the economic uh uh, environment we grew up in. We've been conditioned by education. We've been conditioned by, you know, uh, depending on so many things. Mm-hmm. And by the time mm-hmm. they bump into a person bumps into one of us, yeah, they've been conditioned so many times over that it's unreal. Right. And we're like trying to help mind. them while we're trying to help ourselves recondition right. our, our minds. Right. But That's here's what, the thing. I think I think what what has to be learned as far as this reconditioning is to go small in order to go big. Right. We 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 think that it's going to take massive change to produce massive results, but we didn't get there overnight. We got there by small stackable habits over time in a particular direction. And right. so it's it, it, many times you have to get years out before you before it's apparent that an action that's been taken or an action that's not being taken is positive or detrimental. Right. The, and 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 so what we have to learn to do is to work in the small. Is is that that uh, uh, daily showing up? You know, it's one thing if I say you know I want to lose weight, but what happens when I hit the goal? It's right. another thing if I say, you know what, I'm a healthy person, and so my exercise now is growing out of the fact that I'm a healthy person, and the results take care of themselves. Right, right. And I think that that's part of the shift and the change that has to happen at a fundamental level. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's the reason why people like Tony Robbins do a shock to the system. We're going to conquer fear, and we're going to walk over this fire, these hot coals. <laughs> Right. It's a psycho. It's a psychological shift, because right. what it's really saying is, if I can walk over these hot coals, then why am I allowing these beliefs to stop me? Right. It's it's you know so sometimes there's a shock you know, uh, you know you know you know Reverend Coleman would shock people with statements you know it's a sin to be poor shock what what, what did you just say <laughs> you know that. Right. It, it was a shock to the cool. system. <laughs> you know, so I think that's mm-hmm. a part of the process that we just need to be mindful of because we didn't, um, you know, as you said before, many times it, it even with work, 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 sometimes a, a drip here, drip there will we'll get a, a person the results they want. But sometimes you need a you need a tsunami to hit you and shift you, and I think right. at times people don't respect immersion enough. I'm a big believer right. in immersion. Sometimes you need to shut down everything and work on right. you. Sometimes you have to shut down and just be at the weekend seminar. Sometimes you have to right. shut down and go to the meditation retreat. Sometimes you have to shut down and and go to the you know whatever workshop and just work on yourself. And do and do and it I, consistently enough to where it's a shock to the system, because the right. belief and systems. I think, I, think that, I think that that's good. But what I'm what I'm personally working on is that daily how, daily how I show up. 
No, no, I get it. I get what you're saying. I th- it's because, not either I've, or. I've I'm saying and. Where, where I can't, yeah, yeah, where I, okay, yes, and, not either or, right. Where I, I can't hit the reset button until I get the POT. <laughs> you know, right. I can't wait. Right, no, 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 I'm not POT. saying that. No, what I'm saying is, at times, sometimes that gives us, when we're in an environment of people who are seekers like us and they want to live a better life, it gives us a jolt to continue to go forward. As we're building the daily habits, it's sometimes good to it's good to be uh, Michael Jordan, but it's a lot better to be Michael Jordan with Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson. That's all I'm saying. Right. Uh, you're okay. still Michael Jordan. You still have the habits to be the best player in the world. But if you want to win championships, you need that sometimes it requires more. Uh, we have like one minute okay. left, Sherry, so I'm going to have to get off the phone. But um, <laughs> do I need to give right. you a call later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call me later. Okay. Oh, okay, I'll call you when we get off. So uh, right. <laughs> so thanks for calling in, and I'll talk to you in a minute. So callers, okay, uh, thank cool. you all for listening. I think we've had a great show. Again, I love it when people call in. So let's give ourselves the opportunity to listen and by calling in, asking questions, making comments. I love to interact with you all. Now, this show won't be back until January, I believe, because of the Christmas break. So have a great time. Have a wonderful Christmas season if you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or <clears throat> or I just forgot just that fast. Uh, Kwanzaa, et cetera, or whatever you do. Do it and do it well. Do it with love. Do it with peace. Do it with joy. And know that when we come back, we'll wrap up this book, Prosperity's Ten Commandments, and then we're going to have some new and exciting things, including me talking about in the new year about how I'm going to be available to be able to do some new and interesting things uh, online uh, and in person and other things so I can support you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark, on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.